Hello and welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast, a series of healthy conversations with inspiring hustlers. I'm your happy host, Madeline Carafa, self-proclaimed health enthusiast and full-time hustler. Through storytelling, I combined health, well-being and business with a fresh perspective to share the stories of some of the most influential and inspiring hustlers. Whether you're looking for an engaging and easy to digest pep talk or a boost of healthy enthusiasm to fuel your health and wellness goals, the Healthy Hustlers podcast is your go-to for kicking butt in work and play. Hustlers, welcome back to the show. For anyone new tuning in, welcome. I'm so excited you're joining us. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you all know that the Healthy Hustlers website is now live and ready for you to subscribe. This healthy destination has been designed to bring you regular content that will help you conquer your health and well-being goals, keep you up to date with the latest podcast guests, and some very exciting live events that are going to be announced soon. To celebrate the launch, I am so excited to have teamed up with the beautiful Rachel Finch and her team at Body by Finch. And they are offering a free three-month membership to the Body by Finch program. That means you can train with Rachel by your side every day nourish your body with their nutritionist developed healthy meal plans and calm your mind with their weekly meditation and mindfulness sessions. To win this incredible prize, all you need to do is sign up to the Healthy Hustlers website at thehealthyhustlers.com and follow Body by Finch and The Healthy Hustlers on Instagram. Introducing Australia's newest feel-good place for all things health, beauty and wellness. Beautifullyhealthy.com.au is here. Your new must-go-to shop for all your health, beauty and wellness needs. Today's guest is a three-time world surfing champion and regarded by many as a living hero. He's kind, positive and an incredible role model for our younger generation. Of course, I'm speaking about no other than Mick Fanning. I've had the pleasure of meeting Mick a few times now, and I can't speak more highly of his kind spirit and generosity. He's down-to-earth, relatable, and genuinely a really great bloke. Kindly taking some time out to chat with me on his recent trip to Victoria, I was keen to find out a little bit more about the man behind the surfboard, the real Mick Fanning. In this very healthy conversation, Mick chats openly and honestly about the injury that could have ended his professional surfing career, how he approaches times of hardship, and life as an entrepreneur and brewery owner. As always, if you enjoy today's episode, please leave a five-star review on the podcast app and follow along at The Healthy Hustlers on Instagram. Mick, welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm super excited to chat to you. Oh, good. Thanks for having me. So you were raised in sunny Gold Coast in a family of five kids, keen surfer from a young age, and you were known to most as one of the Cooley boys alongside your best buddies, Dean Morrison and Joel Parkinson. Would you say your childhood has helped shape your identity? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've lived on the Gold Coast since I was 12. I moved up there from um, Ballina. Before that, I was in Sydney, 
going to school with guys like Dean and Joel, I didn't really know a whole lot about the surfing world and stuff like that, but they were just so enthralled with it. And um, being the youngest of five kids, I was always so competitive. So when I met them and that we were surfing against each other, it was just, it was just natural just to be competitive <laughs> with each other. And um, with all of us growing up, we'd sort of just go from house to house and most of the time everyone was at our house mum would always make sure that we had a house near the beach because she knew if we were at the beach we were out of trouble so um everyone <laughs> would come <laughs> yeah so everyone would just come and hang at our place and um and just really embrace that sort of brotherhood mentality and we all looked after each other and um yeah that sort of just started shaping us all who we were uh, really yeah, I think it's such a nice thing seeing, you know, families that do grow up by the beach. I know, yeah, I personally grew up by the beach and seeing my brother and, yeah, just that brotherhood and mateship that they have when all they did was spend their days at the beach and hanging out with each other. So it's so nice. Yeah. So today you are a three-time world surfing champion. I'd love to take it back into the early days and explore the shift from Mick Fanning as just a young kid who loved to surf to Mick Fanning, a business and ultimately an entrepreneur. It sort of started pretty young, even though I probably didn't want it to. I was 16 and I got sponsored by Rip Curl and, you know, I got thrown thirty thousand dollars a year from rip curl as a 16 year old and i didn't really grow up with money so um it was a real big shock and from there it was just learning about responsibility around money and stuff like that and and learning what you can and can't do um as all kids do but it was sort of like early 20s that i started you know investing in real estate and um realizing that surfing wasn't always going to be there so I had to take the opportunities that I had with the money that I had and and start investing it smartly and and for me I didn't know anything about shares or anything like that so it was always like okay if I can see it I know it's real mm-hmm. so um I started in just investing in real estate and um just putting all my money into that really yeah okay did you have kind of like mentors or coaches or anyone that was guiding you in those early years to help with that process just my mum really she was a general manager at hospitals and and stuff like that and yeah she was always like all right you got to be smart. You got to make sure that your money's working for you and stuff like that. So she was sort of guiding, help guiding that sort of area. And then as I got further down, as the years went on, I, I started talking to other people about different investments and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But still today, it's all about what feels right. You know, I get hit up all the time about different investments or different opportunities and stuff like that. And I always just come back to, if it feels right to me, then I'll invest. And yeah, if it doesn't feel right, I'm just straight out of there. Really? Yeah. yeah. So you're really in tune with that intuition and gut feeling. Try to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that something you've worked on, would you say, over time? Or is it something that's kind of come natural to you? Yeah, I think it's just something that's sort of natural, you know. Yeah. I guess growing up, especially when your trajectory is just going straight up people are just throwing things at you and yeah. it's all new and exciting you're just saying yes to everything and then you know you get into it and you're like oh I wish I didn't say yes to that or <laughs> that or that and then and then there's other times where you're like you probably didn't understand 
exactly what the business or the the thing that someone was pitching and you're sort of like, oh, maybe not. And then you just see it go crazy and it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I wish I went there. <laughs> and not there. there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's just the beauty of it. That's all about learning and stuff like yeah, that. So it's cool. Temple. Yeah. So back in 2004, you did express a bit of a loss of passion for surfing and you spoke in your first book, Surf For Your Life, about the pressure you were facing at that time and as a bit of a result, you did start enjoying the party season a little bit too much. I'd love to understand your shift in mindset during this stage. You're obviously still quite young and how did you find the ability to kind of really wholeheartedly commit to regaining that love for surfing compared to, you know, just going out and getting super boozed every single night with your mates. <laughs> I wasn't every night. No, uh, but, uh, no, but I yeah, find, look, you know, like especially being in that like younger and you're in that, you know, all your mates are, don't have that much responsibility or yeah. I feel like it's definitely a mindset shift. It definitely um, was, yeah. yeah. Um, I got on tour at a really young age and, and everything happened really fast, like, from 16 to 23, there was so much that's happened. And, and it seemed in a way that it all came easy. It went from being a junior to winning world tour events as a wild card into qualifying into top five into my first year on tour. And then the next year was top four. And it was like, well, I wasn't trying that hard. And I didn't really know how to make the shift and it was it was just sort of more um, growing up too. Like as I said, it, it all just seemed easy. So like to go out and go party with your mates like a week before an event or something like that, it was just like, yeah, it was easy. You know, yeah. I could I, – I sort of had that confidence like, oh, I can go out and do that and then go and get a great result. But it wasn't until later in that year I um, I got injured and I – tore my hamstring off the bone and that whole scene just got taken away from me Mm -hmm. and I realized that I really did take it for granted I I was like from all the people like sitting there just saying look sport isn't always forever you know you can get injured and and Mm -hmm. it's gone it's gone for you like that and then you'll always regret that you didn't give it a go and I remember sitting on the couch when I was injured and I was watching a an event from the year before and I was looking the way I surfed and the heat that was on and I could just see that I wasn't that sharp and I and I lost that heat and I I thought back, I was like, I was partying two nights before that heat and I was like, hang on. And I had this, just this enormous guilt in myself and it was that moment that I was like, if I get back to surfing, then I'm just going to give it my all and, and that that was the moment. Like I, I remember it as clear as day and and um you know I was always the the yes man like the first person that people would ring oh let's go have a beer okay <laughs> um and then when I got back on tour people were like let's go have a beer I'm like nah not until work's done you know yeah. and and then once work was done then I'd let the hair down and and it was just a um it was just a bit growing up yeah so talk to me a little bit about that injury because it could have been a career-ending injury really. Mm-hmm. Can you shed a bit of light on it? Yeah, so what I, I was surfing in Indonesia and um, went up and, and did a floater where you know you go up on the roof and, and as I came down, I my back foot slipped off and I did the splits and the wave landed on my back and pushed me through the splits and I pretty much head-butted my knee. I tore my hamstring completely off the bone 
And so seeing doctors, some people didn't know what was going on. Other people like, oh, I might come back. And then I saw one doctor and he said, it's either you get it surgically put back on or you may never run again. And so I was like, it was a pretty easy decision for me. I was like, all right, straight under the knife. And what they do is they drill into your your bone, the back of your buttocks and screw a grappling hook in. And then they've got to pull the hamstring back up, so through the ligaments onto the grappling hook and wait for the bone to calcify and also the scar tissue to latch back onto the bone. So, is it, yeah, it's a bit of a <laughs> bit of a mission, but um, so that you really can't do anything for eight weeks, and then it was like a six month recovery. So, oh my goodness! Yeah. So when that actually took place, you were obviously in the water. What was going through your head? Did you have any idea of the extent of what you could have done, or were you just thinking of, you know? At first thought, I was like, "Oh, that's sore," and I was like, "I went, I was underwater, and I went to shake it off." And as I went to shake it off, my leg just felt like. Imagine the worst cramp you ever had, oh. and imagine your whole leg did that. And then the more you moved it, the worse it got. So, um, yeah, that was uh, – I was underwater and then probably took another probably six waves on the head. And then I had to paddle over to a boat because we are on a boat trip. And um, I tried to get into the boat and I couldn't do it. The leg was just too painful. So I just dragged myself behind the dinghy to the main boat and then um, the boys on the boat pulled me out of the water. But – I knew I'd torn my hamstring, so I was thinking six weeks. But as as time went on, I was like, is my butt meant to be really sore? Like, just couldn't sit down. Like, I was walking the next day, but I couldn't sit. And I was like, something's not right. And um, so, yeah, it was a, a good 48 hours to try and – of um, bribing <laughs> – airlines to get out of indonesia <laughs> and, and get home but um the joy of sitting in a line in the airport yeah, being like i really yeah. need to get out of here yeah <laughs> indonesia it's uh it's they're on their own time zone yeah. um but yeah we got home and then it was just yeah pretty much just trying to figure out what was next yeah crazy so that injury actually did lead you or introduce you to a network of experts who you personally engaged and they focused on your mind body and soul performance for the surfing world this was kind of like a whole new level of professionalism can you talk to me about how it propelled your ability and also in turn your success at that time I I sort of as I said before, everything sort of came pretty easy. So I didn't focus too mm. much on that side of it. Um, I was still dealing with scoliosis and stuff. So I'd, you know, I was in touch with chiropractors and, and I was into yoga and stuff like that. But yeah. for actual like specific training, I never actually really did anything. And then my chiropractor, Chris Prosser, introduced me to a, a lady called Jan Carton and she, she was doing a um, – like a holistic training and and it's called uh, check work, C-H-E-K. The best way to explain it is even though you do a sport, you don't want your body to look like that sport. You want to be walking down the street straight and, (laughs) you know, looking normal. Um, I'll probably never be normal, but, uh, (laughs) but yeah. So she just taught me about how the body works and how nutrition changes everything and, 
and then how to start getting the mind right and stuff like that. And, and also had a lot of time to read because I was on the couch a lot. <laughs> um, so, you know, I read all those self-help books and, um, and sort of just started just taking out little things that were key to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it was the first time that I actually got to stop and really invest time into my body and, and what went into my body and, and just, just figuring out how to bring out peak performance in me. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a really fun time. It was, um, yeah, just learning each and every day. It was sort of like going to work five days a week. And then I'd have beers on the weekend with my mates. You know, <laughs> Friday. It out. Yeah, Friday. I mean, you can't be too good. Um, but that was a, a time where I, I, I still carry out things today. But yeah, it was just learning a lot about myself and, and what makes me perform better in, in the arenas I need to be in. Yeah, I was going to say, is there quite a few of those things that you still bring into your everyday life? Not so much every day today, but, um, but it was, they, they served me throughout my career. Yeah, um, okay. And, you know, there are times, you know, when things are going wrong or things are going right, I can identify what it is where in the past it would just be like, I don't know, I'll go this way or that way. And, and I wasn't really mindful of what was happening with myself. And, and so it was, it was really cool to learn all that stuff. Yeah. Did you get a lot of people asking you about that experience, like especially other surfers who were competing at the time? Was it a bit of an unknown of what you were doing? Yeah. I know there was like um, a lot of breathing and that involved as well. Did you used to do a lot of breathing techniques and stuff like that? Yeah. At the start, it was more just going to an event and actually warming up for a heat. Yeah, okay. No one ever done that. Like yeah. I was in the um in the competitors area and I'm rolling over a Swiss ball and doing all these exercises looking like a twit and everyone's looking at me and what's going on? But then my performance is lifted. Yeah. And I think that sort of clued on a few other people to go, Oh, okay, maybe we can do this and you know, guys like Taj Burrow brought on a full time trainer that he mm-hmm. had travel with him around the world and and then you just see different people just start to add things and so yeah it it was a very different time but as I said there were times that when I was on the beach going what am I doing this for I look like the biggest biggest idiot because it just wasn't in our world yeah Yeah. it's so it's just so normal to see now like you know when you see the pre heats it's all the surfers in there doing their warm-ups and then doing their breathing techniques on the beach and it's yeah it's funny to think that the industry wasn't like that once upon a time yeah apologize yeah (laughs) well you changed it so you should be we should be thanking you thank me and then and yell at me at the same time (laughs) no it's it is really amazing to see and especially just the level that you guys compete at all year round and the travel that goes into it and all of that is just incredible and would be so taxing on your body as well so it's just so good to see that shift in the mind and soul kind of being brought into all of that yeah so after that injury you did win your first world title I'd say that you're the type of person that does give a lot to those around you, whereas I'm sure winning a world title does take enormous personal and also professional focus. How did you balance that or was it kind of a constant adjustment? To be really honest, in, in 2007 when I won my first world title, I was just so one-track mind on surfing. I didn't realise because I was so blinkered and I had people directing 
traffic around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wasn't really sure of what was going on until after I actually won. And people would come to me afterwards and be like, hey, you were, are you there or you're not? And, and it wasn't until people like brought that up with me that I actually realized that a lot of the time when I was in a room and talking to people, I just wasn't engaging. My mind was thinking about surfing. My mind was thinking about how to be better in this next period. What am I going to eat? It was all just focused on one thing. And, and so I felt like I hurt people because I didn't give them that time. And, mm. and so from then on, I, I made, I probably shifted way too far the other way. Yeah. And it was hard to find a balance. Took me a good year of trying to figure it all out. And then I learned that you could go to work. Well, that's sort of how I sort of figured it all out. My own brand was go to work. And then when you're at home, you're at home and just leave your work there. And, and um, it's still something that I, I have to work on today, you know, but it's hard. Like for us, it's for, you know, a sport. Uh, especially surfing, mm-hmm. you're always thinking about what's next, yeah. you know, the next swell. We, we don't have schedules. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you've got the world tour schedule, but on a day-to-day thing, it changes at the flip of a dime. So where in other sports, you, you know, for football teams, they've got their week laid out by, yeah. for someone mm-hmm. that's got that. So it was hard to manage that and learn when to switch on, when to switch yeah. off and um, – it did take a bit of work for sure. Would you say about like obviously you're not competing anymore, do you find that you've got a bit more balance or because you've kind of more shifted into a bit more of a business role or an entrepreneur role, would you say that you're still struggling at times to really find that bit of balance? I'm probably worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, it's because I was, I was so strategic and so set like – surfing's here so you know i had all my set times and stuff like that or you know set places that i need to be it was easy to book things in yeah where now i couldn't tell you what i'm doing tomorrow yeah you could be in another country yeah like people would be like oh can we set this up for a month down the track i was like i don't know yeah you know you can set it up if you want but don't feel bad if i'm not here you know so but that that's a conscious thing for me too. I, it mm. was it was something where because yeah, I was so on timelines and stuff like that. I've just wanted to remove myself and not have any commitments. Yeah. Um, so apologies to people that sort of <laughs> get offended by that, but I'm just doing me for a while. Yeah, absolutely. You need to. Well, yeah. even you being down here in Torquay now and having spare time, it must just feel like the weirdest thing ever for you. <laughs> Very weird, yeah. But it, you know what? It's Even when you're on tour, if you're not surfing in the event, around the event, you have a lot of spare time. So yeah. it's not too weird. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be right back after this healthy break. Beautifully healthy, an exciting destination for online shoppers who are passionate about their health and beauty. As an online health, beauty and wellness community, you'll benefit from the range of relevant on-trend brands at affordable prices, personalised offers, gifts, specials and rewards. You'll also have access to rich content and easy to navigate web pages to make your shopping experience simple and easy. 
It's the feel-good place for all your health, beauty and wellness needs. So hustle your way to beautifullyhealthy.com.au and register. That's all you need to do to receive a $20 gift voucher. So in your first book, um, Claw, the co-founder of Rip Curl, wrote that you'd been dealt some hard cards, but that's only made him stronger. So since that, you have been dealt some more hard cards. I'd love to understand your tactics for keeping your mental well-being in check when you are going through times of hardship. Yeah, look, I, I guess in times of hardship, it, it's, it depends what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone gets dealt hard cards. People probably know more about mine just because they're mm, in the media and yeah. stuff like that. But, you know, you, you go everywhere around the world and everyone's getting dealt hard cards. Mm. And there's two ways to look at it. There's either you can say, poor me and, and get crippled by it. Or it's like, all right, well, yeah, that, that's a bump in the road. Like it's, it's, a, it's a, either a big speed bump or a big dip in the, in the mountain or peaks and valleys, whatever, whatever way you want to look at it. Mm. And it's like, well, how am I going to move forward from this? Um, you know, I look at myself as, look, I've been so blessed in, in everything that I've been given, achieved and, and stuff like that. And there's people around the world that, you know, they don't even have running water mm. and stuff like that. But you still see kids in those situations where they're kicking around a bottle and having so much fun. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, well, what have I got to whinge about? Yeah, you know, so. you've just got to suck it up really. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it, it sounds like oh, a bit tough, but you know what? It, life is what you make it. If, if you're crippled by that, then that's how your life's going to mm. be. You're going to be in this dark shadow forever or, like, all right, I'm going to go find sunlight and, and keep running that way. And, and that's what I do. And obviously, yeah, I get sad every, you know, when, when tragedy hits or whatever, I cry and, you know, I, I take my time to deal with it and I try and deal with it head on. I, mm-hmm. um, I feel like the longer you leave things, the worse it's going to get. Yeah. So, like, if something bad happens, deal with it that mm-hmm. day. Or if it takes a week to deal with it or a month to do it, just deal with it because once it's done, it's not going to get any worse. Yeah, I think that's such good advice. And my friend and I have been talking a lot lately about like sitting in situations and like just letting them brew and it just makes everything so much worse. Like it's just this bottle up effect and then you end up basically exploding at the end. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have this, I have this friend of mine, we, we talk about when you go down those we call them um, mind trains and <laughs> and you go on one track, you know, you might have this one recurring thought and you just keep going on this train and you, you don't know what station to get off of. And then once you've done it a few times, like, all right, I'll get off at this station and that's it. The mind, the mind can just go elsewhere, but you're on another train, you know. So it's sort of <laughs> – it's a bit weird, but <laughs> that's just how we sort of look at it. I like that though. Yeah. So get off at the first stop, you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you know where the train's going, then <laughs> just get off. Yeah. Love it. So would you say, you know, you obviously do have an incredible ability to be able to stay in the positives. Have your mentors or in particular inspirations played an impact in this attitude? For sure, for sure, you know, is like the people that I listen to and the people that I talk to a lot, one of the people that I listened to like in 2015 where I had 
you know, the, the encounter with the shark and then I lost my older brother, Peter, like he just sent me a message and he, he it was just, the human can deal with anything. It's just the matter of how you look at it. And to me, that was a big wake up call. Mm. Um, like I could have been a, a total mess for a long time and, but it sort of just put everything in perspective for me and it sort of helped me categorize things of like, all right, I can't deal with this right now. I'm just going to put it there and I'll come and revisit it in a minute and I'll get this first thing done and then I'll come back. And and so, yeah, it was sort of like putting things in boxes and yeah. and and then putting those boxes into a treasure chest. And, you know, when you are ready to deal with them, open up the treasure chest and pull out those boxes. So that was a huge help for me. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, look, it, you do go – like I've had times where I've been in a dark cloud for a long time and it, it's it's hard. It's hard to break out of. And you just need good friends that are honest. Family always helps. And just someone where you can just go – of going advice, you know, it's okay to ask for help. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's I like I like that you touch on your friends being around you as well because it's there's such an importance in having people that are strong enough to be your strength when you need it. And I know there's a saying around you are the result of the five closest people in your circle. And I remember the first time when I heard that, and I was a bit like, oh, that's a bit strange. Like, oh. But I've, it's something that's really stuck with me and I think about it a lot and I constantly analyse the people around me and I'm like, it is, it's so true that those people influence you so much in your attitude and your work ethic and your drive and all of those things. So, you know, one of the things I definitely recommend to people when they are trying to get more healthy habits in their life is I'm like, you know, really reassess who or assess who is around you and, and who your support is because you just never know when you need that extra bit of strength in a, in a time of weakness. Friends. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not no, but you just, yeah. you know, like even if it's just one person that you can lean on, but just having that person that can be that strength or that piece of advice, like, you know, or send that text message like you got that can change your whole perspective. Yeah, on for sure. For sure. And, and especially growing up too, when you're, when you're young, I lost one of my brothers at an early age and and I was really pretty lost and there was a point where someone just said be strong and and to me I was like what does that mean does that mean I can't show emotion does that mean I have to mm-hmm. carry everyone else and and it took me a long time to it took me probably 10 years to mm-hmm. realize that I took it the wrong way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and I I didn't show emotion I didn't you know I wasn't never showed vulnerability or anything like that and anytime something hard would come up I'd put up walls Mm -hmm. and I just wouldn't deal with it and so yeah that it's definitely like there's different ways to to take advice too (laughs) yeah yeah, absolutely (laughs) don't go to the gym and try and get stronger no (laughs) no (laughs) but you know I guess asking for help is such a sign of strength as well I know people listening definitely, some do really struggle with their, their mental well-being and I think that's just asking for help shows so much strength in a character as well. Oh, so, 100%. Yeah. It's courage right there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I would like to shift gears a tiny bit yep. and talk about Mick Fanning a bit more as a business or you as an entrepreneur. So from a marketing perspective, every single thing you touch – really seems to turn to gold. <laughs> I guess a good example of this was a pair of thongs that I think one of your sponsors, Reef, released and they had the beer 
opener in the mm-hmm. thong. Such a funny concept. <laughs> but apparently they went crazy and everyone was loving them. So I would love to understand, is this quite a carefully nurtured persona or are you just literally a legend of a bloke? <laughs> oh, a <bloody> legend. No. <laughs> no, look, I, it's, yeah, I think things just happen at, at the right times. Um, you know, the, with the sandal it was, I think it came out in 2004. Four, then two thousand three, the reef just came to me, and they're like, oh, "We got an idea for a signature sandal," and you know, I was all about comfort, and so we put the airbag in. They're like, "Do you reckon we could fit a bottle opener in there?" <laughs> they said that, and I was like, "If you want to," and and it, it went absolutely nuts. Like it's still, was it two thousand nineteen now? So fifteen years later, it's still Crazy. their number one seller. I think it sold. About seven million pairs, which oh is crazy. My yeah, goodness. so is that like, like weird for you to still comprehend. Oh what? yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> like you'd be walking through airports in the middle of nowhere, like people aren't anywhere near the beach, and you just see some <laughs> random person just walking around the sandals. It's like yes, <laughs> <laughs> but, sandals. yeah. yeah. Oh. But um, back to your question, it's nothing comes easy. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's sport. Uh, relationships or business you get out what you put in Mm. and um you know i've been lucky enough to be surrounded by good people in in great situations and um but still it it, you've got to put in hard work um you know that probably when it comes to like promoting and stuff like that that's where i'm the face of but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people in the background that do all the the hard steps and and they're people that you that you can't forget because they're the people that actually do the day-to-day. I'm just there to um, wave pom-poms. And, uh, <laughs> Smile yeah, yeah. in front of the camera. <laughs> ah, cool. This is my idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that race story too because you didn't even own a brewery at that stage and you, ha- you hadn't won a world title either, had you? So no. it just shows your impact already at such a young age without all of those extra titles or I guess feathers in your hat to think that those – I, gar- <laughs> I guarantee out of those 7 million pairs, 95% of the people don't even know who I am. Yeah. <laughs> Guaranteed. I reckon you'd be surprised. No, you'd, be, you'd be like people just like, as I said, like you just see people in random places. Like they went to universities in America and people in the middle of America <laughs> buying them just because they're so the colours crazy. of their, their uni or whatever. It, it's, yeah, half of them wouldn't even know who I am. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so to some people, you are, they would see a professional surfer who owns a brewery and is living the dream. While the media can really scrutinise every kind of moment of both your personal and professional life, I would love to know, who is the real Mick Fanning in all the facts and fiction? I try and just be the same person with everyone. My core values are honesty, loyalty and truth, really. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I find the people that try and try and fake their way through media, they get found out. There is a point you can't go swearing on every <laughs> uh, TV channel where you, you came with your mates or whatever. But um, yeah, just try and just be honest and and just loyal to my my family and friends. Has that been? at times a hard task when I guess, you know, you've had so many eyes or so much talk about your your personal and professional life. Has it been hard to stay really true to that? 
Yeah, for sure. Um, especially like there, there was a time where, you know, I had media cars parked out the front mm. of my house. I'm getting followed by like paparazzi and stuff like that. And it's just like, I'm not that person. I don't, yeah. I don't go and chase fame or I don't mm. go and chase an interview or anything like that. It's more about just, I just want to get me if, if I'm at the beach or whatever, fine. But mm. when I'm at home, just let me be me, you know? Yeah. And, and so it was, it was definitely tough. And especially when you, when you're dealing with things, especially when you're dealing with hard things like, mm. you know, deaths and, and stuff mm. like that, it, it's hard to um, not put your focus on them. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the media can be extremely kind. They can be extremely cruel. It's just, but that's that's their job. Yeah. Um, and so you don't really take it personally, even though sometimes you want to. Yeah. <laughs> um, some people you will, but um, yeah, it's more about just being honest to yourself and and just yeah. you know who you are when you wake up. Just be that person when you're on the street. So now that you're not competing at a professional level, how do you keep yourself happy and healthy? I still travel. I'm still – I found I enjoy my surfing a whole lot more. And, mm-hmm. But it's still the, the same. It's, it's still listening to yourself and, and still following what your heart is telling you to do. You know, there, there's times where I don't want to do stuff and I'm okay to sit on the couch and then there's times when – I can go do everything and be 100% happy with that, but just being honest to yourself, really. Yeah. And now what does the future hold for you, Mick? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's really exciting. Don't know. Yeah, <laughs> exciting, nerve-wracking. But, um, yeah, look, it, my plan, it was probably changed this afternoon, but um, <laughs> the plan is just, just keep travelling and, and travel to places that I haven't been, really. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's it's all about just going to find places that fulfill my enjoyment. Yeah. And that is, you know, seeing new places, surfing new waves um, and enjoying new cultures. And um, I don't know how long that's going to last mm-hmm. for. Could be six months, could be <laughs> six years. I, I just don't know. I'm just sort of just playing it by ear. Sounds good to me. Mm. I did want to um, calf off our chat with a bit of a story or a nice memory that I have of you. I'm not sure if you're going to remember this one, but I think it was back in like 2010 and I was backpacking Europe and met my Uncle Ted, who is a surf photographer and a good friend of yours. Mm-hmm. And we ended at the Portugal Rip Curl Pro and there was a big crew of us that went to Lisbon and we were all out for, for dinner one night and everyone's getting, you know, having drinks and a delicious dinner and someone said, okay, card roulette and everyone threw their credit cards in and I you know I'm 21 traveling Europe which you were well aware of at that stage and I said to the person next to me oh what's card roulette and they said oh whoever's card gets picked out pays for the bill (laughs) and I was like oh my goodness this if my card gets picked out like one I'm either not going to ever afford a flight home or I'm going to be so embarrassed because my card's going to decline so sure enough the bill went through and everyone's thanking me all night for dinner and we went to the next bar and it wasn't until a few days later that I actually found out that you had secretly gone up to the waitress and given your card (laughs) and let me take credit for dinner all night so um, it's really funny now when I hear people say oh Mick Fanning just seems like a really great bloke and I always (laughs) say no he honestly is a really great bloke (laughs) 
Jeez. And so thank you for that. No and worries. I couldn't, just let you, <laughs> couldn't let you walk home from Europe. <laughs> so no, I just can't thank you enough for your time today and all of your support. And I just wish you all the very best for the future. Cheers, Maddie. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For any products mentioned in today's show, please check the show notes below and hit the direct links. If you'd like to suggest a future guest, please follow at The Healthy Hustlers on Instagram and send through a direct message. Until next week, don't forget to invest in you.